Hey there, film fans. We're still here. Hope you consider that a good thing. We certainly do. Welcome into the Second Day Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Sunday, June 7th, 2020. We've made it to June. Great success. I'm your host, Brandon Champion. Very happy to be here today as we wrap up the weekend. Uh, it was a beautiful one here in West Michigan. You you really cannot beat summers in this part of the world. In fact, I think you'd have to be slightly insane to ever leave this place. Wouldn't you agree, Mr. Evan Dean? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's summer year-round. You know, if you come down here and you, you – there's literally a license plate that's got somebody with a surfboard in the sunset, and it says, never-ending summer. So, you know, wow. I mean, look – I, look, I'm glad it's nice up there. I know you guys got to deal with some, you know, really bad weather for several months. So I'm happy to see you out and about and at the beach, you know, for the two months you're actually able to go. Hey, no hurricanes here, son. We don't have to worry <laughs> about those things. So like, let's yeah. just, you know, pros and cons, pros and cons. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Mike Nichols is also here. Uh, he hasn't left. How goes it, sir? Well, you just said it. I haven't left. So <laughs> that's how it goes. Wow. Okay. How's everything going, Mike? Uh, I know, you know, earlier in quarantine, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, how everything's going with you and, you know, where, where's everything at, man? I know that it's been a weird situation for both of you guys and, and Michigan's been particularly locked down um, versus compl- compared to Florida. And it sounds like now you're finally starting to open up. Yeah, Michigan kind of eases up a lot on the stay-at-home order. Tomorrow, actually, is when we're first going to have things starting to open up slowly a little bit. Um, there's been there's been a lot going on here just with uh, protests and, um, yeah. you know, concerns about, uh, you know, when we open up all our restaurants and, you know, stores again, will there be more COVID spikes? So we're, we're, in, a, we're in a transition phase right now, it feels, um, and it's just – you know, everyone's just getting through everything day day by day. Um, yeah. You know, I'm still looking for work, doing a little bit of freelance here and there on the side. But uh, yeah, just it's we're all just in a transition phase, and we're trying to just figure out where that goes. So, right thankfully, on. we've got a lot of movies and TV shows to catch up on in our free time. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, yeah, coming up on Mike just talked about it. Coming up on today's pod, uh, first we're going to reveal the winner, um, and and I put that in very loose quote fingers. Winner uh, of our Disney and Pixar character draft that we did last pod, and uh, Mike alluded to everything going on in the world right now. It's no secret. Uh, we're going to be each sharing some of our favorite films that deal with the topic of race, race relations, social and racial injustice, uh, etc. Anything that involves those lines. It's obviously a very timely topic uh, going on right now. So we wanted to share some of our favorite films uh, that can help provide some insight into that. Uh, before we do that, please check out our Facebook page at the Second Day Film Podcast. We appreciate all the uh, feedback we got um, and votes for our for our Disney teams. The feedback was awesome on that. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Our, our old episodes are found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So if you want to check out our draft or any of the old episodes we've done. But uh, transitioning, guys, first before we get to the more, I guess, serious part of the pod, um, with our Disney and Pixar character draft, um, Evan has counted up the votes. He's going to reveal the winner here shortly. Um, but uh, overall, I was really excited with the way that turned out. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. It was uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, like you said it already, Champ, but thanks, everybody, who took part, who voted, um, what was really cool to see is that all of us uh, racked up quite a few votes, and I saw mention of almost every single character that we chose. Um, I think almost all of them, maybe like Todd and Copper, I think was the only one that I didn't actually see someone specifically mention as a reason for why they voted for that team. So, um, it was cool to see everybody kind of had different reasons to connect with our teams and um, ended up being a lot of fun. Yeah, it was just a, also kind of a nice break. Um, you know, uh, the news hasn't been too happy lately. And so to suddenly have your Facebook wall just overloaded with Disney characters and people talking about, you know, these movies that inspire and, you know, bring us together and give us such hope. Like it was just a really fun little uh exercise in the middle of all this i I appreciate everyone so much for playing along and i love seeing people make their own uh drafts that was really great to see just people get into it and of course you know kronk himself voted (laughs) and oh man that was that was my favorite part of it so yeah 
I, I know I'm not, I, I know I'm not going to win this thing, but that, I was still very, very happy with this. I'm glad you mentioned that because I kind of forgot to mention, yeah, Patrick Warburton, who voices Kronk, uh, is the newly minted official actor of the Second Day Film Podcast. Let's give a round of applause Hello. for Mr. Hello, Warburton. Patrick. Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Patrick, for the celebrity vote for Mike's team. That was really impressive. But, yeah, I just want to echo what you guys are saying. Like, this has been a whole thing. A bunch of people, everyone are asking me about my team or criticizing my team. I had people texting me their teams. Uh, I went golfing with my dad and, a, and his buddy, who's his age. And we came back to the house after golfing and had a couple more beers and did our own draft with those two uh, in the oh. same sort of thing. So it's become sort of like a low-key drinking game at this point, uh, which <laughs> I think is <laughs> pretty hilarious and fun. Um, so, yeah, I think people seem to like the idea. We'll definitely bring that segment back again. Um, with with different criteria, but Evan, let's not keep the waiters uh, or the waiters. Yeah. Let's not keep the listeners waiting. Uh, what are the officially unofficial results uh, <laughs> of of this of the of the competition? Yeah, I'm going to drag this out because I always do with these kind of things. First off, uh, Patrick Warburton, if you're listening and you want to come on to our next pod, talk about this and talk about Space Force, we would love to have you. It'd be perfect to come on and promote your show. Because you know oh. you need you need the SDFP to come on and promote our, uh, uh, you know squeeze, your squeeze show. In between, this in between Conan and Fallon. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, this this was uh, this was uh, uh, a lot of fun tallying this up, guys. Like I said, um, I'm gonna go uh, you know third to first. So in third place with a total of 16 votes, Team Genie, <laughs> Mike Nichols. Um, Mike, you know. You, you lagged behind in the vote, but Champ and I both gave uh, a lot of love because we both agreed that you didn't pander to, you know, the, the people's favorites. You picked who you wanted, and I got to give you some respect for that. Yes, thank you. It's nice to be the Bernie Sanders of this uh, draft, and I just stick to what is true and to myself, even though I don't get it in first place, but whatever. I still have my integrity. That's right. And, no, all the way. Thank you. The Bernie Sanders of it. That's perfect. Um, so you guys, uh, before when, when I was telling these up uh, before the pod tonight, I'd asked you. I said, "Hey, I noticed that there was a, a vote for uh, you know from the SDFP from the official podcast vote for Champ for Champ's team, Team Mickey." And I said, "Hey, what do you guys? What do you guys think?" Um, you know, and, and we we all agreed. You know, Champ's the founder, and it's only fair if he gets to pick where the official SDFP vote goes because we all voted separately. And lo and behold, that would be the critical tie-breaking vote. Team Mickey wow. with 39 votes to Team Simba with 38. Yes! Wow. It, it was incredibly close. It, <laughs> it, I will say, look, I will say it seems kind of fitting that if we were going to be in a tie – that the tie break goes to the founder, the guy who created this whole thing and who hatched up the idea. So, Champ, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I will will take this win um, humbly. It was uh, a very good competition. Evan, I can't believe we were that close. Uh, I did pride myself on trying to get some, you know, some classic characters with Jimmy, Jiminy and Mickey in there and Tigger. Yeah. Um, I was happy to see my votes came from a lot of different sources. Um, you know, a lot of different random friends chiming in. Evan, I noticed your wife shared the album um, and sort of pointed uh, your your team towards the apparent <laughs> cult of Mulan fans. Um, yeah. And it seems like you got a lot of votes from there, but uh, but I digress. You know, we can promote it any way we want. That's the point of this, after all. Um, but yeah, I, I can't believe it was that close. Oh, I mean, it was great. Yeah. I mean, my wife, look, you guys both had a ton of, of traction on your posts. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't get like anything on mine. So I said, Ash, I know you've got some followers and you're a huge Mulan fan. And all of her friends are huge Mulan fans. So I said, share it out. You know, you did get a couple votes off at Champ, so it wasn't completely warped. But, you know, to your earlier point, um, we all, I think we all did what Mike did to some degree. You know, picking Quasimodo, picking Jack Skellington. Obviously, those guys are like cult favorites. And you had some cult favorites too, Champ. So it was really cool to see it come together. And, you know, I, great vote, really close in the end. And uh, Champ, now you, you get to, uh, you know, you get to pick which movie you want all of us to watch for the review. That was the prize, right? 
Yeah, we didn't mention that on the last pod, but I should have that. We we sort of made a bet in our text thread that whoever won this gets to pick a movie uh, that the other two uh, have not seen that they have to watch. So uh, I didn't I didn't know who was going to win, so I didn't come prepared for that. But I will uh, I will give that some thought, and um, I'll let you guys know what, what needs to be added to your watch list uh, relatively soon. But I really want to pick a, a good movie for this, considering it's yeah. – uh, you know, has, has a new Transformers movie come out lately? You know, maybe we can. <laughs> Evan, we're watching Cats. It sounds like we're going to be watching Cats. <laughs> Fast and Furious 9 coming out in 2021. Actually, I'm going to pick one that is one of my favorite movies that will, you know, maybe you guys haven't seen. Maybe one of these movies that I've been trying to get you to watch for a decade, Evan. We'll see. Yeah, let's uh, do it. I'm going to have to pick thoughtfully. But anyways, that's our draft. Like I said, we'll bring back the fantasy draft segment uh, at some point. Lots of other you know character groups that we could uh, do as well, and people seem to like it. So, um, yeah, let's do it sometime here in the near future. Okay, moving on uh, for, to a little bit more you know serious subject, as you could say. Um, you know, this is a movie podcast. We focus on the movies and TV here. You know, to a certain extent, we want this podcast, like all, you know, uh, entertainment content, we want it to be somewhat of an escape from the chaos and the intensity of the world, especially in 2020, where there's lots of stuff going on. But at the same time, we aren't blind or ignorant to the really important things going on in the world. We want, we are all three very aware. We all three have worked in news. Um, so we're very aware of what's going on. Um, you know, lots of people have different opinions on everything right now. Um, so we want to talk about that in the way we can through movies, just so you know, this won't be a political podcast, but we did think sharing some movies about race, race relations, um, police relations, subject matter like that would be a good way to approach it. Um, since a lot of people are looking for ways to further educate themselves on the subject matter, looking for ways, maybe they can support African-American creators. Um, so we thought the movies, hello, this is a movie podcast. We watched a lot of movies. Um, so we thought it would be a great way to go about doing this. Um, we're going to, you know, talk about these things rapid fire style. We'll just go around uh, the room and discuss some of our favorite movies regarding race relations, stuff like this. I'm not going to put a, we're not going to rank these. It's not going to be, you know, a set number. We'll just go until we hit the time limit. Um, so uh, who wants to start us off? Mike, why don't you start us off? Yeah, um, you know, this is a movie I'll start us off with that um, I literally just watched today on Netflix. It's a documentary um, from 2016, uh, and it's called 13th. Um, this was a, a very highly critically acclaimed documentary when it came out. It was nominated for um, Academy Award for Best Documentary, and it won the Primetime Emmy for um, Outstanding Documentary. Um, this is a, a documentary that is all about um, experience like the 13th amendment, this was where the title comes from and how, um, there's a, there's a little rule in it that says, you know, slavery is illegal, um, and forced labor is illegal unless they're uh, a criminal and then they're in prison of some kind or involuntary servitude essentially. So it explores that and it explores the prison system of America. And, uh, it goes into, you know, how a lot of Jim Crow laws kind of get like tied up into it. It goes, very, very uh, in-depth in this. It's very revealing. Um, you know, as someone who myself has never had, uh, you know, I've never uh, been in jail. I've never had uh, any you know problems with the law. Um, it just shows you like a whole world that I was not aware of. And that I, um, it's just really, really intense. It's on Netflix right now. I encourage everyone to watch it. Hmm. Um, the way this uh, goes through, you know, how the prison uh, industrial complex and how, you know, it's really been structured in a really um, kind of disgusting uh, way that really does tie race into it. And the numbers of the disproportion about like, you know, how many um, black people experience jail and how many white people do, it's, it's just unbelievable. And it's definitely something that um, was eye opening to me. And I hope that we can make reform in. Um, so, yeah, if you have Netflix, check out 13th. It's not a fun watch, but it's something that if you want to take some steps in educating yourself, um, it, it definitely something that did that for me today. So I saw 13th as well. Um, I think it probably was in 2016 when it first came out, directed by Ava DuVernay, who um, also did Selma, which is another obvious movie about that deals with you know race. She's a big activist uh, for African-Americans. Um, but yeah, I saw this when it came out. I watched it on a plane, actually. Uh, I think I was flying either to the Carolinas or Florida, but I watched it on the plane. 
I this was a very eye-opening movie as well. I mean, the way that it just shows that it's you know literally for hundreds of years, black people have been oppressed in one way or another, and the way it does that through you know uh, the the prison system. I think one of the most effective things that documentary does is as it's moving through time, like through years, it literally counts up how many uh, people are incarcerated in the country. And it goes from like, what, like 400,000 to like 2.5 million or something like that. I mean, the numbers that this documentary revealed were shocking. I mean, just absolutely mind blowing. And it, and it is something that I, I was so like, how do we not know? Like, how did I not know about this? How did I not like, you know, hear about this sooner. Um, so definitely give it a watch. It's definitely, it's, it's worth your time. Yeah. I mean, for me working as a journalist, um, I I've been, you know, I'm, I'm, I've heard and read local stories and recently actually this last week was reading, um, a, a really interesting story about, um, about, uh, judges who were, uh, sentencing black men to far more prison time than white men, for the exact same crimes with the exact same um, score sheets as they're called in the courthouse. And, and so I, I know that this has been an issue for a long time, um, but I, I've not seen this documentary, so I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah. I also, I also like the, uh, the, the, that towards the end of it, they touch on the privatization of prisons and sort of the business of prison and how, uh, you know, I, I watch orange is the new black and they, they sort of touch on like, the, the prison Litchfield in that show gets taken over by a private prison company called Polycon. And it's just crazy that, you know, this documentary sheds more like more light on, you know, uh, you know, the, the people who provide food for prisons or the people who provide locks or the, like prison is a massive business uh, that mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think people think about prison as a business. And uh, right. this documentary does a good job sort of shining some light on that. What's your first one, Evan? Well, I, uh, I'm gonna, um, you know, I'm gonna, I thought of a a film that I'd watched a few years ago that really, um, it, it, you know, it reminded me of, of what we're seeing right now and in many, many ways. And, um, and the film is from 2017 called Detroit. And this is directed by Catherine Bigelow. Um, you guys um, may or may not have seen this, but it's it's based on the 1967 Detroit riots. Um, they made the film 50 years after they'd happened, and um, in in the actual film, um, you know, this is towards the end of the civil rights movement. This is um, where there were police raids in several black neighborhoods. Um, in, in Detroit and, and the black community, you know, essentially rioted against the, the police department. Um, we're seeing it even today, um, some parallels from what happened way back when. And what's interesting to me is now in today's world, there are cameras rolling, phones rolling, and we're seeing um, police brutality in real time. Uh, back then, back in um, you know, the 1960s, obviously it wasn't like that, but what this film tries to achieve and what Bigelow tries to achieve is showing the brutality of what happened, um, to the three men who were the three black men who were um, killed in the film. Um, it is a brutal, brutal watch and you'll be, uh, grimacing you'll be uncomfortable you will be unsettled throughout the entire film um but it does a fantastic job of uh, shining a light on um an issue that was caused a lot of controversy many of the officers involved never faced any you know they went to trial and they've never faced any prison time for it um have you guys seen this movie detroit uh, I actually have not, unfortunately, but I mean, it's got an amazing cast. Um, John Boyega, Will Poulter, Algie Smith. Um, you know, this definitely seems like something I'd, I'd like to watch uh, in the future. Um, yeah, Champ, have you seen this one? Yeah, I saw it. Um, I mean, I had to, obviously. You know, it's called Detroit. It premiered in Detroit. I remember when we were, we wrote about it quite a bit uh, in the day job, you know, obviously, you know, that it was going to premiere in Detroit and everything that was going on, going on down there. I like, I remember that the movie as well was, it was intense and it wasn't a fun watch. Um, a lot going on. It was kind of chaotic throughout the whole thing. Constantly things happening, just seeing what mm-hmm. these police officers are doing, the 
the, the lack of empathy for anyone or anything that is going on. John Boyega, if I remember correctly, he plays uh, Melvin. Isn't he like a private security guard that's working there? And he kind of gets caught. You know, he's a black man, but he's kind of like working with the cops and they're being racist to him. And he's at the mm-hmm. same time, he's trying to identify with them, but he's also trying to identify with the black men being persecuted. And I thought like telling the story through him was a really smart idea. Yeah, there, there were certainly some characters who felt, um, you know, conflicted throughout. And, um, you know, I, you know, I, and I look, guys, obviously, we're not seeing quite what we saw back then now, but. I was, um, and, you know, I don't want to draw it in direct parallels, but, you know, we are seeing um, some of, of these protests now and in, in, in some cases protests turning into riots. And I think it just, um, you know, it just is sad that we have an issue that was such a problem back in the 60s and more than 50 years later, we're dealing with the same problems of police brutality towards black men it's just it's stunning you know and i think that that's why that you know i think that's why bigelow made the film because it was 50 years later and because at that time we were still having problems and now i think like i said it's it's another one you, you you know you should watch again um but but again to my original point we're now seeing these things happen in real time because everyone's got phones so it's interesting to see how how these things have been captured and, and yeah. So it raises an interesting point too, of like in the future, how will they make movies about 2020 and how will they make movies about what's happening right now with the, with the black lives matter protest? Because like you said, Detroit is a movie about a time when there really wasn't as much footage available, but now yeah. we have so much media with everyone having a, a camera on their phone. Um, it is a good question of like in 20 or 50 years, how will they make movies about 2020 um, and what happened yeah. today? That's a really interesting thing to think about. I think it, I think that's going to be a common theme between a lot of these movies that we bring up, depending on, you know, what time period they take place in that we're dealing with issues and themes um, from movies set in so many different decades. And mm-hmm. literally the same exact thing is still going on today. I think that, you know, it says a lot about where we're at, you know, as a country when it comes to race relations. Anyways, Detroit, Catherine Bigelow obviously directed uh, The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, uh, yeah. among other things. So a really um, solid director that took on this this uh, subject matter that hits home uh, close to home for those of us who live in the great state of Michigan. So that's yeah. Detroit. Uh, my first movie I'm going to bring up uh, is from 2018, um, and it's called The Hate You Give. Um, by uh, director George Tillman Jr. This movie stars Amanda Stenberg as Star. Um, you may know uh, Stenberg for her role as Rue in The Hunger Games. I mentioned this movie when I did my Top 25 Films of 2018 episode. Um, I, you can find that, uh, our old episodes. I, I did that back in 2018. And this movie is uh, really... For young adults, despite having um, some very, very serious subject matter, um, it follows uh, Amanda Stenberg, plays Rue, who's a high school student who witnesses a police shooting of one of her African-American classmates. So uh, very right on the nose, uh, relevant subject matter we're dealing right now. Uh, Amanda Stenberg really, really kills it in this main role as star. She hits all the right notes as this conflicted, um, you know, uh, haunted girl who's witnessed this terrible thing happens. And as we see in the film, she is a um, African-American girl who lives in sort of a poor urban community, but she attends an upper middle white uh, school that is mostly white kids. She's one of the few African-Americans. So she has these influences all around her um, that are trying to weigh on her to speak up or be quiet or it's, you know, she's getting things from all different angles and the way that she sort of navigates all these different influences and figures out how to make her voice heard um, is, is really powerful. I said when I reviewed this in 2018 that it was timely, and even more so now. Um, this movie, at the risk of hitting the nail on the head, it literally deals with a cop killing a black man unjustifiably. It takes the tragedy of what we're talking about today and sort of provides a glimpse into what it's like for a single person who witnessed it happen. Um, so this movie has a really personal touch. It has, um, we're really 
put in her shoes as she tries to figure out how to deal with this or to rise up. Um, and I think it was a really, really well done movie that documented her internal struggle. There's a lot of contemporary African-American music in it that really helps set the urban setting. Um, I think the film is impactful and sort of examines things from a lot of different sides. It's a dynamic film that shows how people's opinions are shaped by their perspective or their position in their community or their background, which is all very relevant stuff that we deal with right now. So um, The Hate You Give was sort of a surprise film that I really liked from 2018. Champ, I haven't seen this movie, but a lot of people have actually recommended this book recently, which is by Angie Thomas, um, and she actually wrote it. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of reading this now. She wrote this as like kind of her own emotional processing of uh the 2009 uh killing of oscar grant which um if anyone knows fruitville station that's that's the movie that's about that that killing and um just incredible that this came out like as her senior project in in college essentially uh at belhaven university um and now it's it's apparently a very good book that a lot of people are recommending and now it's a movie already um, well, that explains like, that, not to interrupt you, but that that explains why it feels like it has such a personal touch to it, you know, yeah. because it's literally this person's reflection. Um, yeah, like I, I haven't seen the movie, but I think one thing that's interesting to to note on this is that you know a lot of times now in the book industries, um, people are saying that you know if you're going to write certain like novels, they want it to be readable enough so that it could get turned into a movie because that could help with book deals. Um, it's amazing how quickly though the turnaround on something like this is from, you know, being a 2017 novel to being a film that came out one year later. That just shows how relevant this stuff is and how hungry people really are to have good quality content dealing with these issues. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought this film up because that, I mean, this, this film has an incredible story behind it. If, if for a book to have a movie turnaround that quickly from a college student, you know, essentially that's awesome. Have you seen yeah, this? Evan? I, haven't, I haven't seen this either. And I, I remember you talking about this at some point on a pod way back when. Um, but um, what I think is interesting about this is, is just the perspective from young people, right? I mean, um, you know, young people are, are at the heart of, of what's happening today and what's happening in the, yeah. in, you know, the social movement that's happening. And um, I think we're really starting to see a shift um, and, and some hope, um, from, from, you know, from teenagers even. Um, and so just, you know, I think it would be really interesting to see a film from that perspective. The main character is a teenager, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really sort of a young, it's in the young adult genre is the, is the novel. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, it, it's, it's a good, it's like I said, there's a lot of different, it's from the perspective of her, but there's a lot of other influences weighing on her from that are coming from a lot of different angles so yeah um i think it's a movie that will really hit home with yeah young people like you mentioned especially but uh let's keep it moving mike uh why don't you, it's your turn right mike why don't you give us your second one yeah so this is uh, a movie that i absolutely loved when i saw it. it's it's definitely i think one of the best written movies i've ever seen um it's called fences um, it's a 2016 uh, drama film that was uh, starred, produced, and directed by uh, one, one of the coolest men in Hollywood, Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, here. It was, yeah, it was written by August Wilson, and this this movie is based on his Pulitzer Prize winning play that came out in 1985. Um, uh, Denzel Washington actually did do that play along with Viola Davis, who is also in the movie with him. Um, I think the original cast for this was, uh, actually, uh, James Earl Jones, I think, um, when that first came out, but yeah, so fences 2016, um, it's the story at 1950s Pittsburgh, uh, Troy Maxson and his wife Rose and, um, you know, Troy's a garbage collector who, you know, just has a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety and bitterness kind of wrapped up in him. Rose tries to make the best of their, you know, their life. Um, and they have, uh, you know, they have a son, um, Corey, uh, and it's just kind of follows this family and, um, I I don't want to spoil anything too much, uh, but it just goes through their, their struggles with money, their struggles with relationship, but also like their struggle with identity and the feeling that just like they have not gotten to live a fulfilled life. 
Um, that's especially seen in Troy. This movie, the way it's written, it feels like it's modern day Shakespeare. Uh, August Wilson was just an incredible writer. And, um, you know, Denzel does a good job directing. Um, him and Viola are just, oh man, they're just powerhouse performances in this movie. Um, and it does such a good job of just, you know, not showing necessarily a lot of the big, like dramatically epic, you know, like horrors that you see a lot of times in, in, in movies about black stories, but this just deals with the intimacy of a couple and the struggles that that alone brings, um, on top of everything else. And it's, it's really, really beautiful. It's really powerful. Um, and it's just an incredible movie. I walked away from that movie just like being, I'm, I'm going to talk about this movie for a long time and I'm going to always get, try to get people to see it. Um, check out fences. Um, that's, it's such a, such a good movie. So I have this on my list of, you know, notable movies that I have not seen, uh, nominated for four Oscars at the 89th Academy Awards, including best picture, Best Actor for Washington and Best Supporting Actress for Davis, as well as Best Adapted Screenplay. So, I mean, those are that's three, you know, huge, huge awards, uh, you know, nominations backing up Mike's uh, plea for everyone to watch this movie. I've heard great things. I love Denzel Washington. I've seen almost everything of his. So uh, just just haven't gotten to this one for some reason. I feel like I saw it streaming yeah. somewhere recently, too. Um, so I need I think- to I need to get on yeah, I think it was on Prime and then it, it went off because I had it in my watch queue on Prime and then last I checked, it wasn't available. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Denzel is one of my favorite actors and Viola Davis, uh, Viola Davis is incredible. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to make sure to, to make a point to see this as well. Cool. Give us your next one. Um, all right, guys. Um, the next film that I have on my list um, is actually one of my all-time favorite films uh it's from 2004 uh, it's called crash and this film is uh directed by paul haggis it has a massively star-studded cast a ton of great acting performances uh and uh it ended up winning uh best picture along with two other oscars uh, back in 2004 and it's kind of it's kind of become known as um in my opinion unfairly as the movie that shouldn't have won Best Picture. Uh, it's gotten a lot of criticism as uh, taking an approach to race uh, as too simple, as too safe, as too cut and dried, and not getting at the heart of its evils, not diving into the complexities. But I don't feel that way at all. I absolutely love this film. Uh, it's set in post 9-11 uh, Los Angeles, and it, it weaves several different storylines together at once. There's a huge cast and several characters um, who are connected or become connected, or we later find out are connected. Um, the, the performances are brilliant. The music by Mark Isham is incredible. But I think the best thing about this film and watching it, and, and one of the best things, is it reveals the duality in people. Um, how characters change, how people, how we change, how we have decisions in certain instances to either make the right decision or the wrong decision. And in this, we see certain characters find redemption. We see other characters who, um, you know, there's, there's, um, for example, there's a, a, a cop played by Matt Dillon who finds redemption in the movie and saves a character he would, he'd later, uh, essentially assaulted. And then we have another cop, Ryan Philippi, who, who starts out, um, you know, feeling, you know, um, really, ups- really upset with, you know, with his partner. And, and he, he gets assigned to another uh, officer because he feels like you know, Matt Dillon's character is racist. And then we see later on at the end of the film, Ryan Philippi actually shoots a black man. Um, and, and we see him go from feeling like he was, in, was, um, you know, had the right mindset to then revealing, well, no, he actually did have uh, prejudices that came out from underneath. And so I think it's kind of a check yourself kind of movie. Um, you know, we can all feel like we are either doing what we should be doing to tackle race, uh, rela- race problems or racism. We all feel like we maybe have the right mindset or approach, but we really need to be thinking hard about this and checking ourselves at times with the things we do, the things we say, even the thoughts we have that might reflect um, anything but equality um, 
to everybody. So I also really like the structure of this film too, as opposed to kind of building towards one climax, you have about three or four really powerful scenes throughout. Um, so you guys, Champ already knows I love this movie. I could go on about it, but um, what do you guys, have you guys seen this and what do you think about how it approaches racism? So I remember this movie came out uh, when I was in high school and, you know, to, to a 17 year old Mike Nichols, you know, I thought this movie was very, um, you know, interesting. It made me think a lot more about my own um, prejudices and it definitely um, I thought was very well done. Like you said, the music, I think the music in that movie is very underrated. Um, oh, but there, there is a strong, uh, there's a strong group of people who are really just not into crash. And I think that mm-hmm. one of the things that some people like to, um, you know, kind of go to when, when, they, when they talk, look, this is the reason I don't like this movie is because they, they say that the characters are essentially kind of three dimensional, like, or sorry, they don't feel like three dimensional characters. They kind of feel like just little cliches for little argument talking points versus like real people. Um, and I, I think that's that's fair, but I also would just encourage people, if you don't like the movie, think about like what the world was like in 2005 and where they were just trying to start the conversation about this issue. Um, they were, tr- I think what they were trying to do was just say, look, like realize that this, this is complicated, that people like, you know, like Ryan's Philippe's character, um, like he thinks that he's a good person, but mm-hmm. really like he also has prejudices that he's not aware of when he shoots someone. Um, this cop who feels justified in the way he lashes out at people, um, suddenly realizes, Oh, when it actually comes to doing my job though, if I've lashed out at people, I can't, I can't do good police work. Like this woman that I groped and assaulted all of a sudden when it's my turn to rescue her from a car, Mm -hmm. he can't really, he can't experience that moment as a hero because, you know, I, yeah, I think that's the best scene in the movie too. And I think it's a very relevant scene for anyone who, you know, has questions about, you know, what is the relationship like with the police and the public right now, you know, maybe check out crash and see, look, if, if this is what cops have done, don't expect people to feel that grateful. Um, and don't expect, yeah. yeah. And, and I just, yeah. And that's, that's why I mentioned at the beginning, um, when I, when I did bring up some of the criticism and and everybody thought Brokeback Mountain should have won. And yeah, you're right. The criticisms were that this was too safe and simple and too simplified and it didn't dive in. Here's the thing, though, and I think that why that's, that happened is you have this huge cast and several stories being interwoven together. Unlike uh, the the hate you give, you don't have one character where you're experiencing so many different feelings, emotions uh, along the course of a journey. And I think that because of how it was done, um, without really having one main character, maybe that's why... The critics feel like you can't, you can't have. They're not getting enough depth or enough enough complexion or enough, or or they feel like they're getting characters for the sake of a drama. You know, what about you, Champ? Have you seen this? And what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I saw Crash a long. It was a long time ago, honestly. And I, I echo most of what you guys have just said. Um, I don't really have too much to add that you guys haven't already said. But I mean, Sandra Bullock. Don Cheadle, Matt Dillon, Jennifer Esposito, Brendan Fraser, Terrence Howard, Ludacris, Tandy Newton, Michael Pena, Ryan Phillippe. I mean, Tony Danza is like the 60th person credited on this list, and he's a reputable actor. I mean, it's just a crazy cast in this movie. So, yeah, Crash, uh, despite how you feel about it, um, the movie made $101 million off a $6.5 million budget. So um, with people criticizing it or loving it, they were clearly talking about it, and that's what's important, especially now. Okay, so moving on with my next film, we've talked about a lot of movies um, that have a lot of relevance today, and that is the point of the pod today, and a lot of street-level movies that take place in the modern time. Uh, I'm going to go back and bring it back to one of my favorite movies of all time that deals with um, a different period of the African-American struggle in America, Um, and it is a movie from 1989 called Glory, Uh, one of my favorite all-time movies. Um, It centers around Robert Gould Shaw, who leads the U.S. Civil War's first all-black volunteer company uh, as they fight prejudice from both the Union Army and the Confederates. So uh, maybe a little bit different um, style of movie, but this was directed by Edward Zwick. Denzel Washington nominated for Best Supporting Actor in an early role in his career. Also Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound. An oldie buddy goodie, as I say, I'm a sucker for war films. 
And this features some of the most memorable scenes um, that have stuck with me still. Um, you know, whether it's it's Denzel Washington's character, I think Trip is his name. Um, he's being flogged for deserting, um, which obviously takes a little is a little bit more, uh, um, I guess, symbolic when it's a black man instead of a white man deserting during the Civil War. There's a whole a lot of commentary about whether or not that should be happening. You know, Matthew Broderick ripping up his paycheck with his men as they sort of come together. The epic campfire scene uh, the night before the battle when they're they're all singing hymns and oh my lord, 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 lord. <laughs> it's just fantastic. Uh, the previously racist white regiments yelling, give them hell, 54th, and cheering them on as they march into battle. And then, of course, the final assault uh, on the beach at Fort Wagner is one of the most intense um violent but also poignant um action sequences still to this day um and then also just the relevance of a movie documenting you know a historical account of black men fighting for the union i think that's uh an important part of history that doesn't always get mentioned at the top of history books or, or gets studied when you're talking about something like the civil war so i think it was an important story matthew broderick's acting in this is I don't know. I, I don't want to say unbelievable, but I think it was a little bit of odd casting having Ferris Bueller take on this really serious role. It's a little bit awkward, but the performances from people like Morgan Freeman and Andre Brower and Denzel Washington um, really, really uh, shine through. We also have got, you know, Mike's 14th favorite Robin Hood, Carrie Ells in this. Um, so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a really great historical account of something that more people need to learn about. And it's incredibly well done. Um, so I have no problem bringing up glory whenever I can. And I just love this movie. Um, I saw this movie a long time ago, but I remember I loved it. Um, you know, it was Denzel's, I think first Academy award. Um, and he just, uh, just gave one knockout performance that, that scene where he's, uh, you know, being whipped and his, his face um, just mm -hmm. stone, uh, just absolutely just levels you. Um, yeah, it's it's really important that people kind of remember this aspect of the Civil War as well. Um, so the fact that they made a whole movie about uh, that, the I think it was the 54th uh, Massachusetts yeah. Regiment. Um, yeah, yeah, they were just uh, an incredible unit um, and just yeah it's a, it's a good like there's not as many movies about the civil war as like other like world war Two or even the revolutionary war i think but like um yeah glory is just an excellent uh civil war movie that uh, definitely deserves uh, a rewatch and i'm i'm sure uh i'm sure it's probably one that holds up well um it, it so does. Yeah, it really does yeah if you need something to watch hey, this movie came out in the 80s but it's probably still just as relevant today go give that a watch yeah, that's 1989 uh, was a good year, Mike. It was a good year. Yeah, that's oh, uh, yeah. yeah, my birth year too. Um, I haven't seen it, but um, I mean, there there isn't a war that's more relevant with what's happening today, right? I mean, there just isn't. And perhaps if nothing else, I won't go down this road too far. It'll be a nice reminder to some people that black men did indeed fight in wars as well. There seems to be this misconception that only white people fought, and I don't know. I won't go down that road too much, but I think it's really, I, it's a movie I need to see with what's happening right now um, and with some of the feelings and beliefs at the time that we still see today. Um, you know, I know you're a sucker for war movies, champ. Uh, how does this stack up against some of your favorites? Uh, top five, top five easily. I mean, I, I obviously, I love Dunkirk. I love Saving Private Ryan. I love The Patriot, even though some people hate yeah. that. I love Hacksaw Ridge. That's probably my top five right there, just off the top nice. of my head. I mean, yeah. I'd have to think about it, but um, it's up there. And yeah, Mike, you say the world, the, if does it hold up? I mean, when they're charging that beach and the bombs are exploding everywhere and they're running up that tight tunnel and they're covered in sand and this orchestral music is just crescendoing, it is intense and it is impactful. And wow, I mean, just wow, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now. It's also just a good reminder when you watch this movie to think about, you know, every single war that we're like really proud of, like, oh, like the, the heroes of World War Two and, and World War One. Like, don't remember, those were mixed armies. Like, we would not allow mm -hmm. um, black soldiers to fight with white soldiers, even in World War Two. And 
movie, yeah, like you said, like movies that show like actual black American soldiers is a really important thing to keep in mind historically um, what those soldiers went through just to fight for their country and their own freedom. So, yeah. I, yeah. And lastly, I will say, I think we're going to start to see a massive, potentially massive cultural shift in how America as a whole starts to feel about um, the Confederate States, Confederate symbols. Um, so, so the civil war, like I said, um, you know, as relevant as ever right now. So. All right, well, that's two each from each of us, so we'll give one more each because we're coming up on the uh, the time here. But, uh, Mike, what, what movie do you want to shout out here? So the last movie that I'll offer up, um, I, you know, I think uh, I was originally going to pick 12 Years a Slave just um, because I think it's – I named it as, like, I think one of the best the best movie of, like, the last 10 years. Um, but you can hear me talk about that movie on our other podcast where we went over, like, our best 10 of the decade. Um, but this is a movie that's kind of connected to it. Um this is also a movie about uh, slavery, and um, this is uh, a movie that Steven Spielberg directed in 1997 called Amistad. Um, so this is uh, Steven Spielberg's kind of really uh, intense historical take on uh, slavery, um, and it's about uh, this famous historical case, the Amistad case, where um, a group of Africans um, actually took over the slave ship they were on. They they uh, took it over and they crash landed uh, in the United States in uh, like 1839. And now this country, which is kind of starting to have these big slavery debates, um, suddenly has, has to make up their minds of what to do with this ship. Like, are they do they count them as cargo up for salvage? Do they send them back to Cuba? Like, what do they, do they keep them themselves? And like, do they make them slaves in America? What do they do? Um, it was an incredible legal court uh, legal court case that there was. The US, it took it to the Supreme Court actually in 1841, and um, John Quincy Adams actually argued it. Um, he argued in favor to let them go back to Africa. Um, and I remember my freshman year of college, like I wrote a paper on this case, and so I checked out this movie, and I I was just absorbed and like just totally blown away by how good it is. You know, Steven Spielberg um, had already made Schindler's List by this time, so he he kind of knew how to really tell um, powerful stories about oppression and injustice and, and racism. And um, I think this is one of his uh, most underrated films, frankly. Um, Spielberg obviously gave us like really intense graphic history lessons with something like Schindler's List or the opening uh, minutes of Saving Private Ryan with Omaha Beach. He does that with Amistad with, um, with the slave trade itself, with the Middle Passage. And there's like a, there's a sequence where it takes just one slave's journey through the middle passage and it just shows what it was like with as much of graphic horror as he did for Omaha beach. He, I mean, he gets it very realistic and just shows you straight up what a nightmare it was. Um, so I think if you want to watch a movie, um, you know, about, uh, slavery, I think 12 years a slave is probably like the best one to show you how, how, you know, again, how horrible that was. But if you want to like see a movie about the middle passage, which a lot of people don't really watch as much, I think you should watch that. Um, Amistad is a really powerful movie and has a very, um, a sad, but still inspiring and hopeful ending. Um, one of my favorite lines in it, uh, is when John Quincy Adams is giving the, you know, the, the defense of the Africans, and, you know, he says, you know, if, if this kind of case will bring war, kind of predicting that it would lead, lead to civil war eventually, he said, let it come and let it be finally the last battle of the American Revolution. And hmm. that's a line that has just so stuck with me that, um, you know, whenever we think about you know, human rights and, you know, freedom and stuff like we have to remember these stories and we have to we have to pay attention. And, and especially for like us as white guys, like I hope we do a lot more listening talking so i'm gonna stop talking and yeah enjoy amistad uh, it's a good movie <laughs> i've not seen it how about you champ i saw it uh recently i saw it i had to watch it in school i think one time it was an intense we had to sign like a permission slip to watch it because there's some intense imagery um but yeah we i remember watching it then and then i watched it again recently a couple years ago and the first thing i could think of was wait a sec this is a rom-com this isn't a rom-com and matthew mcconaughey's in this thing like playing playing an actual like serious role. Cause I feel like all he did was rom-coms there for a while back in the nineties. Um, but yeah, this movie, I think it does it a fantastic job. Like Mike, you said, really depicting like how the slave trade actually happened and how it actually was going, like how they did it, how they took them from their homes, how they shoved them in ships, how they had auctions. Um, it, it really sort of goes in the, 
the step-by-step nitty-gritty details, which is very tough to watch, but it's hmm. it's powerful and important to watch. Yeah, I think that it is one that should be shown in schools. Um, I don't I don't think you should uh, get to experience the education of, of you know. Um, what it means to be an American and, and just get to ignore this. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Amistad's a good one for school kids. Cool. What's your next one, Evan? All right. Well, to lead into this one, because I'm not going to talk about the film too much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on a, a little bit of a soapbox here. And it's not political. Um, it's nothing controversial. But I think in times like this, and I've said this for a while now, I think it's really important for people in America if they aren't already doing this or trying to do this to really try to live and think outside of their bubble. Right. And, um, we all, you know, we all grew up in in certain circumstances and certain backgrounds. We all three of us, uh, obviously have white privilege. And I think it's so important to be willing to meet people, talk to people, befriend people, um, have hard conversations with people who don't have the same background, who aren't the same color of our skin, who don't have the same experiences, who don't have the same perspective. I think that's so important. And, um, and it's the very least we should all be doing right now. Um, and, I, and I hope that if we do that, it could go perhaps a long ways because um, I don't see everybody doing that, not even close. So the film I picked is one we've talked about much on the pod recently. Uh, it's Green Book. And I wanted to give this another shout out because I love this film. Uh, 2018 film, obviously, um, ironically, along with Crash, it was another one that was panned for winning Best Picture for whatever reason. Um, but I loved this film. Um, I don't need to get into the, the plot. We've already discussed it several times. But I think this film, more than anything shows what it's like to take two people from completely different backgrounds and completely different situations, put them together and see how they listen, learn, grow from one another and come to find friendship and come to find understanding. And I think what happens between these two characters over the course of this film is something that, um, you know, idealistically, perhaps you might say, we can all look to achieve. Um, to have that human connection, that listening, that understanding. Um, I loved Green Book, and I thought it was worth a mention here, um, especially when, with what's going on right now. Yeah, I, I loved Green Book, too. I, I mean, I put it as my number one film of 2018. Um, you know, and yeah, did win Best Picture. I don't really know. I didn't. I think some people thought it was maybe, maybe kind of like Crash. It was wrapped up into a little bow too nicely you know it was too much too much of a crowd pleaser you know it it was it ended too happy maybe i don't know i I loved the film i didn't i thought it was fantastic seeing the dynamics between mahershala ali and vigo mortensen i think there was some interesting stuff to be said about mahershala ali's place in the world and how that develops throughout the story because he doesn't really relate to you know, the white people because he's black and he doesn't really relate to a lot of African-Americans because he's in a different, you know, tax bracket, so to speak. He's a, he's well off and he's, he's famous and he's Mm -hmm. someone people accept him because he's famous. And I I thought there were some great ideas. I thought it was entertaining, a fantastic script from Peter Fairley. I didn't really understand the hate for Green Book. What did you think, Mike? Um, I didn't see Green Book, so I probably can't speak to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I think just the, I think the overall theme though of, um, I, I just think that's what we need as a society right now is, is being willing and they're, they're for, look, they're forced into this, right. But we are, we need to be willing, I think, to, um, to live outside our bubble, our personal space and what we know. And that's, that's how we're going to truly find change. And, and I think it's really nicely exemplified by their relationship. Wow. No, no, no. Uh, remember the Titans mentioned, huh? Uh, we, 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 didn't we kind of agree that we all wouldn't do it because we all just talk about it too much anyway. <laughs> yeah, the most yeah. talked about film on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We just talked me and Evan, actually, if you want to hear Evan talk about remember the Titans, uh, I think he brought it up in the films that make you smile. Uh, that we did a couple yeah. episodes ago. Yeah. Um, so if you want to hear about it and, and Mike, we know you, you, uh, you actually met Herman Boone once, right? So if you want to, um, yeah, ask Mike about that story sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Herman Boone was a wonderful man. Um, yeah. yeah, remember the Titans is the best. It's a, it's in this list. Go, it's in the list. Go watch. Oh yeah, that we all had this on our list. We just talked about it so many times, but um, right. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna mention a couple other ones, and you guys can once we give our last. Uh, once I give my last movie here, uh, the Go last one that I want to talk to bring up, and I was stuck between a couple, but I think this is one that maybe not as many people have seen. It's called Loving. It was released in 2016. Oh, uh, that directed- was a good movie. That was a really yeah. good movie. Yeah. It's directed by uh, Jeff Nichols, Mike's father, and um, <laughs> it, is, uh, <laughs> it is the story of Richard and Mildred Loving, a couple whose arrest for interracial marriage in 1960s Virginia began a legal battle that would end with the Supreme Court's historic 1967 decision, uh, basically uh, outlawing laws that prohibited interracial marriage. So I think, again, this is another lens into... Um, race relations that may maybe you wouldn't think about you know maybe the person that pops in mind wouldn't be oh a black person and a white person getting married why is that a big controversy or why is that something we need to see about race um but again i think it takes it's very relevant it takes this movie's very understated in the way that things happen um it 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 really shows is brought and buoyed by these fantastically sensitive but but intense performances by Ruth Naga and um, oh shit, help me out here. Who is uh, <laughs> Joel Edgerton. That's our, that's who he is. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's an illuminating, powerful message of unity and sticking together with the ones you care about. It promotes the idea that love conquers all the last guy's name is loving ironically. Hmm. Uh, and the, and then, and just the idea that interracial marriage was illegal until 1967 and actually that interracial marriage even in 2020 still is stigmatized by certain groups of people i think that maybe tells you that people need to be watching movies like this it was like i said a different lens into race relations that i didn't think i would really like but i ended up being really drawn into it uh, i made my top 10 films of 2016 list so uh loving is a movie that i think a lot of people need to watch it was really well done so, yeah, there's also um, a documentary that was made, The Loving Story, in 2011 by Nancy Bursky. Um, if you're interested in this, uh, the story of, of the Lovings, uh, and of the case, Loving vs. Virginia, um, there's, check out the documentary as well. Um, it's also a really, really good documentary um, that's, you can kind of see it almost as like a, a sister uh, film to this, this movie. But yeah, check out Loving Story as well, if you're interested in more. Did you say you saw this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, like yeah. And, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, I kind of echo everything you said, uh, except Jeff Nichols is not my father. I'd like that clarified. Um, but yeah, it is, a, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing story, especially like you said, kind of the, the fact that their name was loving, you know, it, <laughs> it was such a symbolic moment for American history to kind of have a little moment of truth on that. And, uh, yeah, it is, it is sad that, you know, there are couples, at least in my life, I know, you know, couples who still go through this, um, where it's still an issue for them and the way like certain family members will treat them. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, this, these, the, both these loving and then the loving story would be really good films to check out if you're interested in more. Is there anything that you guys, Evan, you, you can say anything, yeah. is there anything that you guys want to put on the list that, or just give a mention to? Yeah, I want to talk about this in depth um, somewhere down the road. But my favorite, one of of my top 10 favorite films ever, my favorite documentary ever, is Hoop Dreams. I'm assuming both of you have seen Hoop Dreams. They show it in school. But um, if you saw it in school and haven't seen it since, watch it again. The film's not not about racism per se, but you follow two young uh, black men um, from uh, essentially their youth all the way through and their journey to become pro basketball players. And there's a lot in the movie to learn and there's a lot to be said about race. And um, I'd like to talk about that more down the road at some point because it's it's an incredible achievement. Have you guys seen Hoop Dreams? I assume you have. I have not actually. Yeah, oh Evan, God. I got to say, I, I think you're alone here. I don't think I've seen this movie either. You you guys need to watch Hoop wow. Dreams. It's one of the best movies of all time, and it's all it's it's, it's, it's a documentary. So everything you're seeing is 
it's it's all real. I mean, and, and that's what makes it so powerful. But um, we can save that for another day. I know you you guys are Mike especially. I know is a doc, a uh, huge documentary fan. So it'd be fun to talk about you know those um, as a whole. So it's too bad you didn't win the Disney draft, Evan. You could have just made us uh, made us watch it. <laughs> wow, there's there's no reason to get ugly now, champ. Jeez. Low blow thing to say. <laughs> a couple more I want to mention real quick. Another, yeah, another documentary. I am not your Negro. Came out in 2016. It's uh, based on mm. James Baldwin's unfinished manuscript. Uh, features Samuel L. Jackson narrating a lot of things. Basically, just explores the history of racism through James Baldwin's uh, reminiscing. Um, but of course, he was right. You know, on the front lines with you know guys like Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Um, so he kind of provides a lot of personal observations of American history. Um, if you're looking for sports, 42 uh, documentary about oh, Jackie yeah. Robinson, um, pretty mm-hmm. solid. Selma, we mentioned earlier, um, with a, a fantastic performance by David Oluweyu, I think is how you say it, as, uh, as Martin Luther King. And then Hidden Figures uh, about the good, um, yeah. the lady who uh, yeah. you know helped, helped NASA and helped us get to the moon. I quite enjoyed quite a bit. I would also just add Get Out and Black Panther. Obviously, they're both hugely popular, but um, both movies that uh, tackle race in a really um, powerful way. Hmm. Mike? Oh, sorry. Yeah. There's one other one, actually, I said. Sorry. Sorry to Bother You uh, is another one. I put that in my top. Uh, came out in 2018. I, I did that in, uh, in my top 25 yeah, films yeah. in 2018 as well. That out, movie... Yeah, it's Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, um, Terry Crews, Amari Hardwick, a lot of good African-American actors. Um, And this movie, directed and written by Boots Riley, uh, is absolutely insane. It's one of those movies where you think you're watching one thing and it turns into something completely different, uh, sort of like Cabin in the Woods or Get Out to a certain extent. I think I called it Get Out 2.0 when I reviewed it uh, in 2018, so... Sorry to bother you, another one, but sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, you're good, you're good. Did you have any more? Nope, that's good for me. Okay, yeah, I'll just list a couple real quick. Um, some of the ones you guys have already mentioned, but I'll just like pick up a couple that um, you know didn't get mentioned yet. Um, one is uh, The Help. Um, that was just an amazing movie. I remember watching it in theaters. Uh, man, I got a little misty-eyed at certain points in that. Um, that's a really moving movie that... Uh, tells the story of you know black women who served as you know the basically essentially the maids for um, southern families and um, really really powerful. Um, another one I'll mention is uh, Dear White People, uh, which has also been turned into uh, a, a series, but that's a that's a really good one. That's more of like modern issues, more modern take on what's been going on. Um, good cast for that one as well. Um, I think it's always worth a rewatch, especially in times like right right now. Um, uh, obviously the, the famous book to kill a mockingbird, but the movie is also excellent. I think just give that movie a rewatch right now. I think it's a got uh, timely lessons forever. Um, and then one last one I'll just mention. Um, there's a documentary about a teacher. And I think a lot of people have probably seen this or seen, um, you know, at least a clip of it, but it's called um, a class divided. It was like a, uh, an episode on PBS's frontline, um, it follows this teacher named Jane Elliott, who was trying to teach her students about discriminationism and prejudice. And she did this experiment with her, her students about brown eyes and blue eyes. And she would have the kids kind of, you know, one day the brown eyes got special treatment and she would just say little things to, you know, pick on the kids with blue eyes. And then the next day it was switched around. The blue eyes were favored and brown eyes, you know, were, were talked down to and everything. And just watching little kids, like the way, like how quickly it re- it's reinforced in their mindset, uh, how to discriminate against each other and how to just turn on each other. These kids who all, were all friends like two days before, um, you know, it's a really powerful, um, really, really powerful documentary. And, and it's something like really amazing to watch. Like you, you, it's, it's, it just kind of glues you to your seat. Um, she's got a lot of great videos. If you ever just like want to see more of her stuff, just YouTube Jane Elliott. She does racial like sensitivity and training classes. Um, and she's really, really convicting to watch. Um, I recommend checking out some of the stuff that she does. 
Cool. Yeah, and then Fruitvale Station, you mentioned earlier, do the right thing, Spike Lee's big movie. I actually have never seen that movie, uh, so I need to make that make that uh, happen shortly, especially considering what's going on. And also a little tease, uh, both Evan and I are going to be watching The Wire for the first time, as long as yeah. uh, Evan gets his shit together. Mm. I'm three episodes <laughs> in. Uh, it's Mike's favorite show of all time, so uh, it's going to be sort of a reoccurring segment when me and Evan uh, get through seasons. We're going to kind of talk about the yeah. wire that's obviously a show that deals with a lot of uh racial issues and class issues and um known as one of the best shows of all time as well so uh that'll be exciting when we get to that and it's it's free on amazon prime right now too if you don't have hbo go you can watch it there so uh yeah other than that evan you got anything else just think of that movie you want us to watch man i wish i would have won now because hoop dreams uh <laughs> Well, we can watch it. It's on our list. It's on our list. No, now, no, we yeah. need to put it at the very top. But, but yeah, think up what you want because this will, uh, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to talk about it in the pod. It's the, uh, it's the poll winning movie. So, yeah, I'll put some thought to that. I'll maybe reveal that on the next pod, or I'll text them and we'll maybe review it. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of Spike Lee, he's got a new movie called The Five Bloods coming out on Netflix. So, uh, maybe we can check that out and watch it. We all, you know, we know Spike Lee's movies always have. Uh, themes that deals with this sort of stuff we've been talking about but uh guys i appreciate you you taking part and putting some thought to this i think it's important that we have uh you know conversations like this and i think um you know checking out movies that are created by african-american uh directors and filmmakers and also movies that deal with this sort of subject subject matter is just one way um that maybe we can support some of these movements coming on um so i thought it was a good conversation yeah and to our to our listeners you know if you if you have stuff that you want us to watch like we you know we're we're human we're flawed like we know our lists aren't perfect we'd love to hear what you think too so please feel free to like comments and and send messages to us about like movies that you would like us to watch or movies that you think are really important to black legacy as well um we'd love to like let you be part of the conversation too here here well, anyways, uh, that's our episode here on June 7th, 2020. Gentlemen, have a good week uh, this week. Good to talk to you. Um, yes, and, for, yeah. and for Mike, Mike Nichols, Evan Dean, and the rest of the Second Day Film Club, I'm Brandon Champion. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>